All right, good morning, everybody. I know some of you keep saying, I know they're saying Jeff, but I don't really recognize this guy up here. Put a ball cap, T-shirt, shorts, then you got it, all right? Uh, no, it's, it's a, it really is an honor to be up here. Um, Brandon killed it last week. Um, everybody who speaks up here just absolutely knocks it out of the park, and um, I'm happy to come alongside those guys and hopefully do the same thing. Um, so Brandon mentioned last week, you know, before you get ready to speak, you know, the devil kind of kind of pokes you a little bit. And he, he did this week, and it's, you know, it's all good. It, it comes with doing this, and me and Ben had talked about it, and um, the enemy knows he's defeated. He knows it. He, he, he knows how revelation goes. The only chance he has is to convince us of the lie that we're defeated. And we're not going to let that happen, okay? Amen? So um, I'm going to be speaking out of Luke chapter 17, uh, verses 11 through 19. Um, before we get into that, let's go ahead and pray. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for, for bringing us all together today, Lord, to, uh, to just come here and just to worship you, Lord, lift your name up in praise. Um, Lord, I pray that... Uh, um, your word fall heavy on all of us this morning, Lord, and that, uh, Lord, I just pray that I could just be a vessel and just get out of the way and let you do your thing, Lord. Um, Lord, we, we love you, and we ask all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, so let's, let's just jump right into it. Let's, uh, verse, verse 11 it says, As Jesus continued towards Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. Now, we don't, we don't get an exact location. We just know he's on the border of Galilee and Samaria. But what we do know, these two people don't get along. Um, they don't like each other. They don't even want to speak to each other. Um, in John chapter 4, when Jesus is with the woman at the well, it says the woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. So he's in an area, he's got you know, a little, little bit of stuff going on there. So verse 12 says, as he entered the village, Ten men with leprosy stood at a distance. Everyone knows in this time in history, leprosy was a feared and dreaded thing. Um, Leviticus 13 talks about the, uh, the laws that apply to skin disease. And I'm not going to go through the whole book because there's 45 verses. Y'all don't want me to sit up here and read 45 verses of how they deal with skin disease. Um, but I will tell you, um, the priests were the only ones that could make the decision. Uh, and they had criteria for that. They had... Skin color of the affected area, hair color, swelling, open sores, boils, and whether it was on the surface or whether it was more than that, it went deeper into the skin. That was their criteria. They could make three decisions out of these. They could say clean, and you go on your way. You're clean. They could say unclean, which we'll get into that a little bit later, or they could make a decision to be undecided. And they could say, we're gonna, I need you to quarantine for seven days. Um, we may not know a lot about leprosy, but we know about quarantine, right? We, we, we kind of had a, had a season of that. And, uh, but after the seven days, they would come back, repeat the whole thing over again. Priests would look at them, examine them, make one of the three decisions, and, then, and so on and so on. Now, once the decision had been made unclean, Leviticus 13, 45, and 46 says, Those who suffer from a serious skin disease must tear their clothing and leave their hair uncombed. They must cover their mouth and call out, unclean, unclean. As long as the serious disease lasts, 
they will be ceremonially unclean. They must live in isolation in their place outside the camp. Now, that's what the law says, how they're supposed to deal with, with skin disease. Now, before we go on, I think we need to talk about what, what is leprosy? What does it look like? Now, people with leprosy may experience disfigurement of the skin and bones, twisting of the limbs, curling of fingers. Their face could have thickening of the outer ear and collapsing of the nose. Now, most people will say, man, if I have anything wrong with my body, don't let it be my face. You know, you can't hide that, you know. My, my face, I'm not saying my face is anything to look at. I don't want any worse than what it is, you know. Um, so they were dealing with serious stuff, not just their body, but their face. And the worst part, maybe the worst part, I think maybe the worst part, is they could have the loss of feeling of physical pain. Uh, Dr. Paul Brand, who's a world-renowned orthopedic surgeon and leprosy physician, said that disease destroys nerve endings that carry pain signals. And over time, the person could experience total loss of feeling physical pain. Now, you may think, that doesn't sound too bad. I've got a serious skin and bone disease that's probably painful that causes my limbs to twist and everything, and I not feel pain. That doesn't sound too bad. But what does pain do for us? Pain lets us know something's wrong. So Dr. Brand's studies also show that a lot of major issues can come from the loss of not feeling pain. He's witnessed people picking up things that are scalding hot and not knowing it, getting third-degree burns on their hands. Uh, he's witnessed people reaching into a fire where something had been dropped in there and just not even, they just reach in there and grab it, getting third-degree burns on their hands. Carrie's not a pretty He's witnessed people get fingers eaten off in the middle of the night by rats. And they don't even know it until they wake up find out their fingers have been a late night snack for a rat. So take a minute to put yourself in these 10 men's shoes. You know, they have a serious skin and bone disease. Uh, their body has been left disfigured. Uh, some of the wounds may be at your own doing by not being able to feel pain. Um, they've been deemed unclean. They have to announce it everywhere they go. Unclean, unclean. Um, they got to wear their clothes torn. They got to have their hair unkept all the time. And most importantly, and most maybe the most painfully, they have to be kicked out of town away from their family, away from their friends, probably the only people they could find support from. That sounds pretty awful. Um, we don't hear about leprosy in this country, and really never have, but it still exists today. Uh, but the difference is now you can take a combination of antibiotics, and within a year or two, depending on the severity of it, you can be rid of it. But all the deformities are permanent. All right, so back in the scripture. They stood at a distance from Jesus. They knew their place. Not by their own doing, but by what the law says their place is. And a lesson from a leper is that no distance is too great a distance to where God's hand cannot reach you. So you may be saying to yourself right now, man, I feel like I'm so far from God. Um, uh, I'm, I'm so far from God, there's, there's no way he can reach me. Or maybe I'm so far from God 
that even if I wanted to turn to God, there's no way I could get back to him. There's no way I could find my way back to him. Um, and if you're saying that, if you're thinking that, I guarantee the enemy's telling you that. But what does scripture say? Psalm 34, 18 says, The Lord is near to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirit is crushed. I guarantee these ten men were brokenhearted. And their spirits were absolutely crushed. Psalm 139, 7-10 says, I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. He's so close to all of us. The scripture says we can't even get away from him. How can you get away from something that's everywhere all the time? And it's because he loves you. That's why he's so close to us, because he loves us. This is something I want everybody to get. When, when God showed me this, it, it, was, it was significant for me. How you perceive your distance from God does not determine God's distance from you. So when, when someone feels that way, when someone's like, man, I feel so far from God, uh, there's no way he can reach me. I can't get back to him. You know how far they really are? I mean, Scripture already tells us God is ever close to us. They're one decision away. That's how far they are. One decision. Now, to ex- explain that, if, if, if you've been in a spot where you've been believing the lie that you're so far from God and you're, you're tired of feeling that way. This life has brought you pain and suffering and brokenheartedness and left your spirit crushed. And you've said those days are over. And you make a decision. There's the decision. And your decision is going to be, I'm going to turn my face to Jesus, trust in Him, trust in the cross, trust in the grave. And you make that decision to turn and repent just to find out Jesus has been there the whole time pursuing a relationship with you. All you had to do was turn around and see him. Um, and that, that's a beautiful thing that God is willing to do that for us. And no other religion with a lowercase God can say such a thing. Um, God is ever-present and so close to all of us, even if we feel like we're so far from him. All right, verse, verse 13 says, crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Now from that distance that the law said they had to be, they still cried out. And they knew who they were crying out to. They, said, they called him my name, they said, Jesus. And they even said, Master. So another lesson from a leper is... Don't get too comfortable just crying out to Jesus. Cry out to Master, because that's who he is. He, he is Master. Um, the Greek word for Master here is epistatis, and it supremely refers to Jesus, the head owner of all things, the one who is fully authorized. So I'm not saying that it's not okay to call Jesus your friend. You know, we all know and love the song. What a friend I have in Jesus. 
I'm not saying that's a bad thing. But if that's the only way you see him, then that brings a problem. Um, there's a flaw in how you see him if it's only as a friend. Yes, he is a friend, but he is also master. He is holy. He is the son of God, king of kings, lord of lords. And in this particular case, and for a lot of cases for all of us, he is Jehovah Rapha. He is the Lord who heals. He is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides. So get in the habit of calling him and seeing him as master. Verse 14, he looked at them and said, Go show yourselves to the priests. As they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. Now the first thing in this, in this verse is Jesus looked at them. Um, he, he saw them. Not only did he hear them when they cried out, but their cry caused Jesus to turn and look at them. Jesus was saying, I see you. you know, uh, Jesus sees us when he hears our cry. He turns to look at us. This verse also shows how strong their faith was. Because you don't go to the priest if you still have leprosy. It's not how it works. Jesus didn't heal them first and then say, now go to the, go to the priest. The scripture says, as they went. It, it wasn't until their doing did they receive the healing. Their obedience to what Jesus said is what healed them. Jesus gave the order, and they obeyed the order. Now, there are times when we get in this back and forth with God. God may say, just like he does to these ten men, and God may say, go. We'll say, okay, I'll go. Heal me. God's like, no, I need you to go. Goes, okay, I'll go. Just heal me first. We get in this back and forth, and it's hard for us sometimes to trust God without seeing something first. We need to see something first sometimes. Um, Sometimes we're waiting for God to do things in our life when God may just be waiting on us to do the things that he's asked us to do. You know, there's times God may have said go and we stay. There may be times where God has said be still, but we go. God may have said be quiet. I'm sure everybody's heard God say, be quiet. (laughs) But we keep talking. Maybe there's times where God has said, speak. And we keep quiet. Or maybe times where God has said, do, but we haven't done anything. So another lesson from a leper. When God says, go, go. Do what God asks you to do without any rebuttal. Now, uh, speaking of rebuttal, Benaiah likes to negotiate a lot. Uh, You know, clean your room, get ready for bed, eat your supper. He always has a a rebuttal for that. He has a way of trying to convince me of why he hasn't done those things yet. And it's always Jess and I. Listen, son, just do what we're telling you to do. That's all you got to do. And that sounds a lot like us sometimes with God. God is saying, just do what I'm asking you to do. And we're trying to give excuses for why we have not done it yet. 
So in your, obe- in your obedience to God, that's where you'll find your healing. That's where you'll find your peace. That's where you'll find your strength. And that's where you'll find the answers that you're seeking. You know, I can picture these ten men as they went to the priest and they started their walk to the priest to be um, deemed clean. They started to notice their skin changing. They started to notice and feel limbs start to straighten. Um, They began to see themselves looking more like the pre-leprosy person that they were. And I can't help but think their pace probably started quicken. Their strides started to lengthen. They were like, man, I I can't get to these priests quick enough. Finally reaching the priest, being fully healed. One act of obedience, and they went from unclean to clean. But there was one man of the ten that didn't make it to the priest at the same time as the others. Verse 15 and 16. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus shouting, Praise God. He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. Now, I say he didn't make it to the priest at the same time as the others because I believe the scripture tells us they were healed before they got there. Um, Scripture says when he was healed, he went back to Jesus. This one man was so overwhelmed by the sight of his healing that returning to Jesus was his number one priority. It was the only thing he cared about. I've got to go back to Jesus to give him praise and glory. I think he felt like the priest could wait. You know, I could, I could go to the priest later, um, but I can't let any more time pass before I can go give thanks to Jesus, the master. And he may not have realized it at the time. You know, he didn't go to the priest. We all know he went to the high priest, right? He, he, he went to the right priest. Um, now, the word in this verse was... Psalm, the Greek word for that is horao, and it means to spiritually see an inward spiritual perception. And that's why he, had to know he, he knew he had to go back. He felt it in his spirit. He didn't just see it. He saw it in his heart, in his spirit. Now, we got the old saying, seeing is believing. Well, you know, try seeing something that pierces into your heart, in your spirit. You know, that, that's what we, we need. You know, you see it with your eyes, but you feel it in your spirit. And that's how lives get transformed. Um, the Greek word for healed in this verse is iaomahi. And it refers to a physical he- healing in a supernatural way. So another lesson from a leper. Always make time to go back and give thanks and praise to God for all the things that he does for you. Let us see, hara'o, with not just our eyes, but our spirit. First uh, Thessalonians five sixteen through 18 says, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Um, give thanks always. You know, it's, it's, it's easy for us to give thanks for the big things, you know, relationships restored, um, safety in tragedy, you know, maybe like a, a hurricane at Disney, maybe, I don't know. Medical healings, you know, we've, we all 
have stories of medical healings, maybe not of ourselves, but of people in this body. Um, in 2018, 38 years old, I had open heart surgery. So easy to be thankful for that, you know. If out of the blue, you know, and God provided in that. Um, that was a supernatural thing. Um, what they thought was going to be a stent ended up into a, what they thought was going to be a triple bypass, which later found out it was going to be a sixth bypass with a seventh one that had healed itself. I don't know how often that happens. I'm no doctor. That may happen pretty regular. I may, I may be the first time. I may be the first person to ever have it happen to. I don't know. But if that's not a supernatural healing, yes, amen. then is there such a thing? To have your vessel grow a new route around a blockage. You know, that could have been the one that could have done me in. Um, but God had a plan. Yes, amen. <laughs> I knew I was going to get emotional. His plan was two years, three months, and 17 days after that, we would be back at the hospital. And Jess would be delivered in Abigail and Joshua. Four years, 10 months, and 23 days after the surgery, he knew that I was going to be right here. Speaking to you all about being thankful. Uh, verse 17 and 18. Jesus asked, didn't I heal 10 men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? It's simple. Don't be like the other nine. You know, I can't, I can't help but think for these other nine, as they saw their healing taking place on their way, they began to see their life coming back together. Um, like I said, they couldn't get to the priest quick enough. They were literally running away from the healer and running towards what they were going to gain from the healing. They saw life being normal again. They had more faith and more concern with what the priests were going to do. And the only thing they were going to do is just verify what they already knew. They were healed. They could see it. They were just going to make it official, you know. These, these other nine, their flesh was more focused on their worldly desires than it was going back to thank the healer, the master. You know, the foreigner returned to give thanks to God. And some translations will say stranger. Um, he was not just another, a person from another nation or another race. He was a stranger. And I think Jesus said this, this guy doesn't know me. He's a Gentile. It's like me and you. And thank the Lord through Jesus and the cross and the blood, the Gentiles are brought in as children of God just the same. Verse 19. Um, it says, And Jesus said to the man, Stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. Now, I mentioned earlier that uh, leprosy today can be cured by antibiotics, but all the side effects are permanent. You know, the twisting of the limbs, the curling of the fingers, the nose, the ears. Um, medicine can't straighten your arm out again. Um, 
can't restore your collapsed nose. But when Jesus heals, he heals it all. Um, he doesn't leave parts unhealed. It's not how he works. Um, no deformities left. It's 100% healing for these men. You know, God works in the supernatural. He is the ultimate physician, and there's no limits to what his ability is. Um, you know, some people, some scholars say that the, the scripture with the man with the withered hand, they said he may have had a form of leprosy. And what did Jesus do? He straightened that sucker right out. Um, now, the Greek word for healed here is different than the previous one. The previous one was Iaomahi, and it meant a supernatural physical healing. Well, this one is sozo. This is what healing means when Jesus says it. It means to save or rescue, to deliver out of danger and into safety. Used principally of God rescuing believers from the penalty and power of sin and into his provisions and safety. That's why I like you have to go back and look at the Greek to see these words because that changes everything. A man saw he was fit, supernaturally healed, and then Jesus says, you are healed. No, you are saved, and you are brought in under my righteousness. Not only did this man get healed from leprosy, he got a heart transplant at the same time. You know, he, didn't, he didn't go from being an unclean outcast to a clean member of society again. He's now a child of God. He's, he's been saved by his obedience. He was healed when he was obedient to Jesus. He was saved by returning to give glory and praise to God. So, to, to wrap things up, <clears throat> be obedient and always think and give glory to God. You know, don't let your, your flesh override your spirit. Uh, don't, don't look to what you can gain from this without giving glory to the source. Oh, God, God provides for you a, a new job. Don't get caught up in what the new job is going to bring and provide before you go and thank the person who gave you the job. You know, don't get caught up in the new house or the new car without first giving glory to the person who provided you the means for the new house or the new car. Um, the... Um, So there's, there's some questions you have to ask yourself. Um, and, you know, we're, we are going to do communion today, but, I mean, there has to be a time for, for you to reflect on, on being thankful. So do you need to turn back to God and give thanks for something that you may not have given thanks for yet? Um, and it could be something small. It could be something big. Maybe you just, you just got caught up in life and you just forgot. You know, I know that's, a, that's a kind of a bad way to put it. Maybe you just forgot. Maybe you just you got sidetracked, you know. You need to spend more time giving thanks for the, the simple things that we too often take for granted. 
You know, don't forget to take the time to thank God for the little stuff, too. We have more little stuff in our life than we do big things, I hope, for most of us. So if you leave out the little things, your thinking of God's going to be pretty small if you just wait for the big things. You know, you hit all the green lights on your way to work. Thank you, Jesus. You know, uh, didn't oversleep this morning. You know, um, maybe they got your order right at McDonald's last night. I don't know. You know, thank you, Jesus, because we all know how that goes. I need you to pull up over here. Um, do you need to be more aware of the things that we don't even notice because of complacency or being busy or being distracted? Do you need to pray for God to open your eyes and open your mind to noticing the stuff? There's, there's a lot of stuff we probably don't even notice, myself included, that I don't even notice to give thanks and honor and glory to God in those things because of the complacency and the distractions that I don't even see it. How much stuff are we missing, you know, in our, in our daily life? How much stuff are we missing that God has provided for us? You know, it's never too late to be thankful. And there's no limits on how many times you can thank God for something. Um, thank him for what he provides for you and give him the glory that he deserves. And he deserves all the glory. Uh, there's, there's nothing too simple to thank God for. I mean, I was, it was kind of joking about the McDonald's order. But why not? Why not? Um, there's, there's no expiration date on giving thanks to God. If you have stuff in your mind that's 10, 20, 30 years ago that you maybe not have given thanks for, or maybe not properly given thanks for. There's no expiration date on that. God's, God's still up there waiting for what he deserves, and he deserves to be thanked and the honor and, and glory for that. Um, and and for, for anything that you think in your mind that uh, you need to give thanks for, maybe again, or maybe for the first time, you know, there's no better time than right now. If there's something in your mind that you think you need to give thanks for, don't leave here without doing it. Because once you get out there, the enemy's going to get at you. And he's going to put that distraction. He's going to put that confusion. He's going to put all this other junk in your life that's going to push that to the back. And then a year from now, I'm like, oh, man, I never did really thank God for that. So if there's anything, don't put it off any longer. If there's something in your And if there's something, if you can't think of anything that you've forgotten to give thanks for or maybe that you need to give thanks for, well, to be honest with you, I don't believe that. And, and God knows the truth. So <clears throat> that's, that's, that's what God has put on my heart for, for, for this week. You know, Brandon talked about forgiveness last week. And like I said, he, he killed it. He, he knocked it out of the park. This week is thankfulness. You know, be thankful 
for every little thing God has done in your life. And take time to let him know that you're thankful. And I don't, I don't mean like a passing, oh, wait, thanks, God. That's not being thankful for God. I'm talking on your knees, tears and snot, if that's, what, if that's how you need to do it. I've been there many times. Almost there right now. But yeah, don't, don't, don't let it pass any longer because God is here and God is, is waiting for the honor and glory that he deserves through us being thankful for him. All right. Carrie, if you want to. And this, like I said, we've, we've got communion, so we're not going to take a whole lot of time. I just figure it's only right to give people the opportunity to offer their thankfulness to Jesus. After hearing a message of thankfulness, big, small, in between, um, if you feel led, like now, now will be the time.